there's two kinds of people in the world, and I can tell you which kind of person you are, and all I need to do is look at your iPhone or your Android or whatever your smartphone is. All I have to do is look at your home screen. There are these types of people, and then there are these types of people. Anybody notice the difference? All right, I am a, on your left, I'm a, I'm a left person. If there is a red notification dot on my screen, something has, has gone bad wrong in my life, okay? I'm either dead, I'm in a movie. Well, actually, it doesn't even matter if I'm in a movie. Lori, on the other hand, is a right side of the screen person. I checked with her this morning in the back. She has 8,036 unchecked emails. Don't judge her, because I know there's some of you who have those too. Um, I was with some friends on Friday night. This, this, this individual who I won't call out, but does an amazing job drumming for us. <laughs> he has 43 notifications to update apps. To update apps. So I don't know which kind of person you are, and we are a community of imperfect people. We're not going to judge you, but am I right? There are two kinds of people in the world. And so I look at Lori sometimes, and I'm going to tell you, I can't look at her phone because it stresses me out. I'm, I'm serious. I have a condition. It stresses me out to see those red notification dots. I don't care if it's in Redbox app or if it's a Netflix app or if it's my, my app store, whether it's an email. When I see a red notification dot, I've got to know. And I asked Lori, I said, Lori, what if there are what if there's two important emails in the midst of those 8,000? She said, well, they're all spam. Who cares? You know, it's just coupons and stuff. And I'm going, but don't you want to get rid of the red dot? Don't you want to see that go away? And I told Brent the same thing. I said, Brent, don't show me. I don't want to see your phone. Because I'm telling you, I, I, I will have to go and update your apps for you, even though it's not my phone. But there's two kinds of people. There are those who those dots drive crazy, and then there are those who just let the dots build up. Now, I got to tell you, if there's a red dot, especially in one of these folders, I've got to immediately go look at it. In that green folder that has the little voice bubble, if you send me a text message, I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care where I'm at. I've got to check the text message. I've got to see, in fact, did somebody just text message me? <laughs> I told you, see, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. And, and here's the thing. I can't not read a text message that is sent to me. Again, doesn't matter where I'm at. It will bother me to know that it is there. I have to put my phone on, like, do not disturb at night a lot of nights because it's almost like subconsciously I hear it buzz on my dresser, and I know I've got my, my text message set to a different buzzer. And when it buzzes with that text message, I can't let it set there till the morning. I told you, I've got issues. I'm working on it. Pray for me. But it bothers me to see that text message. And here's the reason I have to check a text message. A text message typically falls in a couple categories. Number one, a text message usually, almost always, 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 is somebody that I have a personal relationship with. Now think about it. You know, back in the day, the phone would ring and you might get a message or somebody on the other end that has a what? Wrong number. Guys, I've never gotten a text message from somebody with the wrong number. I don't get spammed on text messaging. See, text messaging tells me that I have given you my number and that you have searched through your list of names to send me something of a personal nature. The second thing about a text message is this. Typically, whatever is waiting in the text message 
is urgent, it's current, it's relevant to the moment. Did you just see the Philip Forsberg goal? Oh my goodness, right? Or hey, what are you doing around lunchtime? You want to catch lunch today and it's 10 o'clock and I need to see that before lunchtime because after lunchtime, the message is gone and I don't get lunch with that person. Hey, what are you doing Friday night? Let's go ahead and begin to make plans now so that we're ready to go out on Friday night. See, a text message tells me that it's from somebody that I know and that it is relevant, it is current to the moment. So, it got me thinking. What if we begin to view the Bible as this red dot notification text message? What if we begin to see Scripture uh, in, in this light? Now, the reality is, a lot of us, myself included at times, when it comes to the Bible, we're kind of the phone on the right. We kind of just let notifications build up, and they build up. In fact, they build up to the point, and I'm going to defend Lori, she doesn't even see those red dots anymore. It builds up to a place where we don't see the red dot, or at least we don't see it as important enough to kind of open up and see what is going on there. But like a text message, when we begin to explore Scripture, when we begin to explore the text, what we see is just like a text message. It is deeply personal. There is, there, is, there is an element that it is, and it doesn't matter when it was written, there is an element to it that you're going to walk away with going, it's like this was written about me. Or it was written for me. Whoever wrote this knows me. And what we also will figure out is that in this, we'll see that it's current. We'll see that it's relevant. We'll see that it has great bearing on things in life and our relationships. It's just like Chris said last week. He says that the heart of the Bible, the heart of the text, is not something that we are to live up to, but it's something that we're to live into. That this is something as we begin to explore the pages of this ancient book or collection of books, what we begin to see is that, wow, I can live into this, that the story's kind of incomplete because I'm continuing the text. I'm continuing to live within it. So here's our goal. Our goal for the next few weeks is just to give you enough to whet your appetite to make you want to get into the text, to get in the Bible. Our, our goal in this series, our goal as a leadership is this. If you want to know the end game for the next few weeks, just start reading it. Now, I don't care if you've never cracked the cover of it. I don't care if you've kind of read it through 150 times. Just pick it up and revisit it or visit it for the first time. Just get started because we hope and we pray and we have prayed over this, that you begin to experience life lived through the text, through God's word, through his will for you. So the question is, why don't we? Why do we let those notifications? And I've just come up with a few excuses. I just want to run through these real quick, and then we're going to get into Psalm 119, where I'm going to show or allow David to show us how practical this thing really is. I think, number one, one of the common excuses that we use is this. I'm just not much of a reader. Now, guys, I don't enjoy reading. I used to say this about the text. I, I don't do a lot of casual reading. If I read, it's typically something to do with church. I'm just not a casual reader. But I'm going to call you out as I've had to call myself out. I don't buy that because what I find out in my own life, if I really begin to evaluate, I read what I want to read. And I read what is important to me. 
I read that which I view as important. Now, the same people, including myself, that will say, well, I'm not really a reader. They don't miss a single post on Twitter or Facebook about politics. They don't miss a single article. I stood in the back this morning and talked about an article that this person and I both had read written by somebody that's not even in our city, written by the Denver Post about the Nashville Predators. And I took time. It was, I, I clicked and I spent 15 minutes reading through the Denver Post, their main sports writer, his opinion of the Nashville Predators, which was completely wrong, by the way. <laughs> and we proved that again last night. But I'm telling you, We have no problem picking up things that we want to read. We have no problem picking up a cookbook and combing through it to make sure that we read the instructions so that that roast turns out exactly the way it looks in the picture. We have no problem as business people reading blogs and journals and articles on how to be better at what it is that we do or how to get rich fast or how to to be the top of your, your class. We have no problem reading. We have no problem picking up Summer's Coming, right? And we'll get those magazines, whether it's Macy's or whether it's Lucky or whatever it is that that is your brand, and we will comb through and read through the hottest trends for the summer. We read what we want to read, and we read what is important. So here's the thing. Just give it a try. Guys, we've made it easy for you. We've given you bookmarks on the communion table. You'll find, and we don't, they're not dated, so if you didn't start last week, start this week. Start today, start tomorrow. Just pick those up. We have given you a starting place to just read. Guys, we are living in a time, in a world, in a place where reading the Scripture has never been easier. It's never been easier, especially as Americans. Guys, we live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a country where reading is free. Not everybody has that. We're reading the text, this thing that we probably have 12 of them perhaps sitting on a shelf somewhere. Not everybody even has access to it. We live in a place where all kinds of translations, guys, I went combing through Lifeway this week. I found a hundred different kinds of versions and translations. I saw one that was called Word on the Street, okay? So if that's your language, there's one for you. You say, well, I don't like reading the these and the thous and all that, that big, you know, churchy stuff. Then find one that's not. I found a firefighter's version. I found versions that are devotional. I found student versions. There's all sorts of versions. So you may say, I'm not a traditional reader, but there's something out there. Let me take it a step farther. I had somebody, one of the greatest messages I got, and I had to check it immediately, but one of the greatest messages I got this week was from somebody, one of our partners, And their son has a learning disability and can't read. And she sent me a picture that says no one has any excuses. He was sitting on the couch as a non-reader, listening to Isaiah 53, which is on the red track. It's day one. Sitting there listening to it on YouTube. Guys, there's no excuse for us not being readers. It's never been easier. It's valuable. It's important. So just track with me for just a second. I promise you we're going to get to the text in just a second. Track with me for a minute on this. Our lives as Christians, and I would imagine that most of us in here, we classify ourselves as Christians. If not, just kind of sit still for a second. But as Jesus followers, we have been greatly impacted, have we not, by this. Our lives have been greatly impacted, whether you, you've read it through 15 times, have never cracked it open. Your life, whether you realize it or not, has been greatly impacted to this. 
See, it, it goes beyond just our view of God. See, our view of God is impacted by this. But what you probably don't even realize until you begin to lean into it and, real, and begin to think about it. Guys, our worldview has been shaped in part, if not entirely, by this. Now, keep tracking with me. Our view of right and wrong has been impacted by this. Our view or our expectation when it comes to justice has been impacted by this. Our view or the way that we handle or don't handle guilt and shame has been impacted by this. The way we extend or expect to be extended mercy and grace has been impacted by this. So if that's the case, if our worldview, God view, our everything about us to some degree, some level, whether you realize it or not, has been impacted by this, shouldn't we want to or owe it to ourselves to at least regularly or occasionally crack the cover and see what's in it? What I'm talking about is more than just you know, coming and hearing the word, but actually investigating, not even with an investigation in mind, but a curiosity in mind where we crack the Bible open and go, you know, if, if, if it shapes and has formed to some degree my view of things, whether I realize it or not, I should at least kind of see what's in there. Let me take it a step farther. Guys, if you're going to get up early on Sunday mornings and hustle out of the house to come and be a part of an hour here or an hour there, don't you again owe it to yourself, yourself, not to take it from me, but don't you kind of owe it to yourself to see what's in here? Now, that's as guilty as it's going to get this morning. It is important. And that's why we've set this, this month up, is that we want you, even if you're a non-reader, to get in there. Another, another one is this. Well, you know, I just I don't have a lot of time to sit down and sit still. Okay, well, let me just kind of walk you through that for just a second. I want you to go to the table today and pick up the red bookmark. There's a red, there's a blue, and there's a green. I want you to pick up the red one. Guys, I timed it. Day two took me 38 seconds to read. Day three took me a minute and 40 seconds to read. Guys, I spend more time in the morning grinding my coffee. Take the Bible as the coffee's grinding. Just take it. Guys, make time. And we have, we, we've set it up now. If you want to be over the top, grab that green bookmark. It's going to take a little time. And I would probably agree that not everybody in the room has that sort of time. But guys, don't give me the, I don't have time. Again, put it on in your car on your way to work. Find the time for just a moment, whether it's 40 seconds, a minute and 40 seconds, or 40 minutes. Spend a moment. And then there are those of us who say, well, I have a hard time with it. I struggle with it because I'm not sure I believe it or that I'm not sure that I believe it all. I'm not sure I believe that, that everything in there is legit. So we walk in, away from it going, well, I'm a little skeptical, so I'm just going to stay with, away from it. Well, can I ask you an honest question? When does that stop you from reading anything else? Guys, I've witnessed it. People Magazine, I'm standing in the Kroger line. People Magazine says that Mike Fisher and Carrie Underwood's relationship is under fire. I'm holding up the line to read that. I don't care whether it's true or not. I just want to see what's on the inside beyond the cover. And I read it and go, no, that's not true. Mike's a great guy. He would never do that. 
Guys, when does everything, us having a first glance of skepticism, stop us from reading? So here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you believe right now that everything in there or that, just dive in. Just dive in. Even if you're a little skeptical, engage it and see what happens. Guys, it can change your life. It's already shaped to a degree your life. So see what's in there. Guys, this is so important. It'll change your life in the way that you live it. So let me share a passage with you that I think explains better than I can explain to you how big of a deal this is, and it's going to reveal how, how real this is and how practical this is and how life-shaping this is. Psalm 119, David wrote this. And what you need to know before we get into it is that what you need to know about Psalm 119 is that David, when he wrote this, he only had access to, to seven of the books that we know as the Bible. He only had the first seven. He had, he had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Here's a little pop quiz. What are those known as? All right, well, Chris will come back next week and reteach that series. The, there we go, the Pentateuch. And then he had Joshua and Judges. So when he talks about, in this, when he talks about the law, when he talks about your word, when he talks about those kinds of things, he's not talking about all 66. He didn't have all 66. They weren't written yet. He's talking about those first six, but he talks about them in such a way that you would go, wow, he has been really shaped. He really values. He sees these important, and he doesn't even have the whole thing yet. He also need to know this, that what he is referring to at his time is already hundreds of years old. These were not hot off the press. These, in actual years, these, these books that he was talking about were hundreds. They were already really, really, really old. So even as old as they were, this is how he viewed it. And here's what I want us to see as we run through this quickly this morning. I want this to carry over into the way that you begin to maybe treat the Scripture. So look at this, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law, how I love your word, how I love at that time the text. He says, I meditate on it all day long. Stop right there. Guys, there's a few things that should pop off the page to us. He says, I love your law. Now, I gotta be honest, I didn't always grow up loving this. I, I, I grew up fearing it. I grew up going, oh, it's such a drag. It's boring. All it is is rules. What's to love about it? And David says, no, no, I love it. I, I, there's something of an emotional level that is struck within me when I think about God's word. He says, I meditate. He says, I, I love to spend time thinking deeply about your word. So I went down a rabbit hole this week that was really dangerous. I began to think, what do I spend all day thinking about? Now, I'm not going to tell you. Lest I find myself at the respond banner. But I'll tell you what I don't think about all day, most days. I don't always think about this. And the things that are going to follow, I believe, in David's life, in, in, in a large part, was because he loved and he thought about deeply. All day, And I don't think David was a guy who carried it around going, hey, hold up, I'm, I'm thinking about the Word. I think he had spent so much time in it and around it that when he moved around without it, 
He was still thinking about it. He was still informed by it. He was still walking. How do I know that? Well, let's just keep reading. Look at verse 98. He says, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemy. He says, they make me wiser than my enemy. He says, I discover things when I spend time here. He says, I discover things that help me overcome the things that are seeking to destroy me and harm me. Now, I know that there's some of us in life, there are things and moments in our lives, there, there, there's, there's addictions, there are, there are people, there are toxic relationships, there are situations in life where they, you, you just know those are enemies. They are seeking to destroy me. They're seeking to destroy you know, my, my, my reputation. They're streaking to destroy my health, or they're looking to harm me. And he says, listen, you want to know how to deal with some of those things? He says, you want to know how to become wiser than that which is seeking to destroy you? It starts here. And then he uses another phrase at the beginning. He says, and it's always with me. It wasn't like he had some pocket version he pulled out. He says, no, because I have spent time meditating on it. He says, in those moments of tough, where I'm standing there going, wow, I've got a tough decision. I've got a big decision in front of me. And if I step the wrong way, it could be into enemy territory. It could harm me. It could hurt me or it could destroy me. He says, because I've spent time back here. In those moments, I'm wiser than my enemy because I have it right here. It's right. And so I I reflect on it. I, I, I recall things in those moments to help me make wise or better decisions. See, it's beginning to shape his life. It's beginning to shape his future. It's beginning to allow him, as Chris said, live into something, not up to something. Look, verse 98. He says, or 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I meditate on your word. He says, I have insight. What he's talking about is this, is I have the ability to relate unrelated things to see things that other people don't or to see things that other people might miss. He says, I can take something that is unrelated And because God's word infuses in me an ability to see another picture or a different picture or gain perspective, he says, I can take unrelated things and begin to relate them so that I begin to see things. I, I become wise. I have insight. I have clarity. I have understanding that other people might miss when they don't spend time here. He says, I have this, this, this ability to, to read between the lines. You ever known those people? Guys, my mom is one of those people. My mom can see between the lines sometimes. Can tell you how many times there's been things that I've missed or we as a family, and we get there and mom's like, well, there's a passage over in Isaiah 42. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was in there. She's like, well, how would you? You don't open your Bible. There's insights, there's clarity. Why? Because he saturated his mind. He meditated on God's will. Verse 100, he continues this kind of thought. He says, I have more understanding, I have more clarity than the elders, for I obey your precepts. He says, I have more clarity, I have more understanding than, than, than the elders. Here's what he's saying is, I, I, I'm wise beyond my years. See, David's a young man. But he says, I, 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 I'm, I'm wise beyond my years, and other people take note of that. I take, why? Because he's filling his mind 
with the mind of God. He's filling his mind with the things of God. And then he links something. He says, part of the reason that I have such insight, part of the reason I have such understanding is that I obey your precepts. See, I follow what it is that I read. When I begin to see something, I begin to link that which I read with that which I should be doing. He says, when I obey, see, David picks up on something that I'm going to be honest, I've spent a lot of my years on earth missing. That there is a direct correlation between insight, clarity, and understanding and obedience. And there are times in my life where this is typically the way I do things. I like to ask, why? I need you to do something, or I need you to stop doing something. Why? And then depending on the answer you give me will dep- might determine whether or not I go ahead and step through. Now, there are situations and times where that is okay, but there are going to be times in faith, there are going to be times in following Jesus where he's going to say, hey, here's what I need you to do, and we may not understand why, but we got to understand that coming out on the other side of it, we'll understand, we'll have clarity and understanding why it was that he wanted us to avoid this. The best way I know to put this, I could give you a, a novel on this. But one that came to mind this week is I remember when I was 17, my dad told me, he said, son, I'm telling you, stop squealing the tires on the truck. Why? It's fun. It leaves a black mark in the driveway and it smokes. It's awesome, dad. Come outside and I'll show you, right? As if he had never like, he goes, I'm telling you, stop. Well, I didn't. So I came in the house a few weeks later. He says, all right, give me the keys. And so again, we get into this conversation of why it's not that big of a deal. Now, roll ahead one year. I get into college, and guess what I need on my truck? Tires. So I go, and I put new tires on. I price shop, and they hand me the bill, and I went, now I have clarity. See, I didn't understand the importance of just stepping into my dad's command, his obedience at that point. But I'm telling you, when I got the bill, I understood perfectly. And there are times that you may say, listen, why? Just, just, there are going to be moments where he's saying, listen, part of faith is just taking that step in. See, he says, when I obey God's precepts, I always come out on the other side. Whether I realize it or know fully going into it, David says, I always come out on the other side with clarity. I have understanding. And that obedience has not only given me better understanding, it has positioned me in life to be in a better place. Look at 101. He says, for I have kept, here's what happens when we do this. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for, your law, for you yourself have taught me. Now, I'm going to make it personal for just a second. See, David takes it to a personal level here. I don't know if you picked up on this. He says that you yourself have taught me. He, it, when David sat down with this, it was, it was as if God himself was sitting on the other side of the table personally teaching him. That God is, himself is doing the teacher, teaching that God's view of spending time with the Scripture, that when I spend time with the Scripture, it's as if, because it is, he says it's as if God, the creator of the universe, is personally teaching me, helping me, shaping me, speaking to me. Now, we spend time speaking to God. What I found again in my own life is that I spend a lot of time asking God to do something for me 
Hey, God, if you got a time, can you do this? Or I've got a need here, can you take care of that? When maybe there are moments in life where God says, listen, how about for once, let's not worry about what I can do for you, but what I have to say to you. And it's in those moments where I slow down, what I begin to see, again, going back, linking this together, is that when I take time to listen to what God says, I sometimes gain clarity on what God is trying to do. Or I avoid something where I'm not going to have to ask God to do something. See, it's those moments where it's a two-way street where it is that, that spending time not just communicating what you need, but allowing him to personally, through Scripture, teach you and communicate with you. Let's wrap this up, verse 103. He says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, from your word, from your text. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Here's what we see. He says, the results of this, God, is sweet. You, you begin to sweeten my life. I begin to experience more sweetness in the way that I view things. I begin to experience sweetness in what I value. I begin to, to, to experience sweetness in that which I prioritize in my life. You sweeten my decisions. You sweeten my path. And then he ends with this. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I want you to key in on two words there. I bet you, you think that I'm going to cue you in on lamp and light, but I'm not. What I'm going to cue you in on is that your word is a lamp for, say it together, my feet and a light to my path. Guys, this is deeply personal. And when David views the text, he says, what you're doing, God, through this is that you're shaping and teaching and you're, you, you, you are shedding light on my stuff. See, he views this as specific to his life. And I'm telling you, when we open it up, we're going to begin to see some things where we go, wow, it's as if this was written about me, my situation, and my time, and my relationships. Now, there may be times when you walk away from it and go, wasn't there today. Trust the Spirit to work and continue to work as you cultivate a relationship with the text. But he says, listen, it sheds light on some otherwise dark places in my personal life. I remember several years ago, we were in the Bronx, New York. We were there with a mission team, and so I had already the weight of, of caring for other people's students on my shoulders. But in, in connection or in addition to that, I've also got my own personal fears and stuff that I'm dealing with. I'm in an unknown place. I'm in the Bronx, and I'd heard all kinds of horror stories about the Bronx. And, and I remember sitting down with uh, the guy who's in charge of this on night one of kind of the orientation night. Well, he didn't do anything to help relieve fears. In fact, he just made everybody more scared than they were to begin with. I mean, it was over-the-top stuff. It was like, if you got secret sin in your life, you better take care because the street will take care of it for you. I'm like, dude, I'm just here to kind of serve some kids and play kickball in the courtyard. You know, I don't, I don't know what you got in mind. I don't know what we're going to be doing. But one of the things he said, he said, I don't ever, we were staying in Manhattan at the time, but he said, number one rule, get out of the Bronx, or at least the area we were working at, before it gets dark. Well, as it would be, we were there three or four nights, and we were feeling pretty good about getting back and, you know, navigating the Bronx safely. Well, as fate would have it, 
we were in the park one night. Things ran long, ran long. We ended up with some cleanup that we didn't expect. And guess what happened? Nightfall comes. And Vanetta, who was our kind of our guide at that time to make sure we got back to the subway and, and back to our hotel safe and all those sorts of things, she said, I know a shortcut that'll get us back quicker. Again, I don't know these streets. I don't know shortcuts. All I remember that there was this moment where we took a turn, and all I could see in front of me was an extremely dark alley in already an extremely dark city. And I said, Vanetta, are, are you sure about this? She said, just trust me. We're good. She goes, this is going to take at least four blocks off the walk. When, you, when, when we get where we're going, you're going to see, and you're immediately going to go, oh, I didn't know this was here. She goes, just trust me. And I went, okay. And I remember taking a step and walking into that alley, and here's what she knew that I didn't. The minute we took a step into that alley, there were motion detectors that turned on lights from people's porches or from people's street views. And I went, oh, now I can see the alley. Guys, I'm telling you, those lights didn't come on until I took a step in the alley. And the lamp that he's talking about and the light that he's talking about may not ever come on you don't step in the alley, if you don't take time to trust the process and trust guys like David who says, I love it. I can't get enough of it. I meditate on it. I saturate myself with it. Guys, I want you to step into the alley of reading the text. I don't want you to leave here fearful of the text. I don't want you to leave here afraid of the text. I don't want you to leave here intimidated of the text. Keep in mind this. David was a simple man. David was a shepherd and a warrior who went on because God chose him to be king. It wasn't that he somehow walked out of a military academy qualified as king. See, David wasn't on an intellectual pursuit. He was just trying to get in touch with the creator. David wasn't worried about acing a test or answering all the questions that a friend or a skeptic might have. He wasn't trying to pursue a, a seminary degree. See, I think sometimes we get bogged down in that and going, it's so intimidating and I don't have all the tools and I don't know the language. And David didn't either. David was a simple man who just spent time stepping into the alley. He stepped into it and he said, all right, God, I just want to gain perspective. I want to gain direction from you. I want to sit across the table from you. And David walks away and goes, wow, it's as if God was speaking to me. And guys, that's what I want for you. I want you to have this moment when you walk away from a 38-second encounter on day two of the red card, or whether it's day one that takes you a half hour on the green card. I want you to walk away and go, wow, it's as if that was written to me and for me and about me. I want you to walk away from your encounter going, this is better than I thought. How in the world did I miss this for so long? And I found that every time I open up, even to an old passage, God gives me something new, that his spirit breathes into me something different. And I also want to give you this. It's okay if you don't get it at first. It's okay if you walk away and go, I don't get that at all. I don't even understand a tenth of what I read. Just keep reading. Again, allow God to do his thing. You don't have to understand everything about everything in order to get something from it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, just like those red cards and those green cards and those blue cards, I want you to set up a notification dot. See, Moses talks about in Deuteronomy, he, he speaks of these things even as they're in the midst of being written. He speaks 
of God's statutes, his precepts, his law, his word, his text, that these are to be important things. In fact, he says in Deuteronomy 6, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to to tie something to your hand, or I want you to write it on your doorpost so that when you're walking out, you'll see that and be reminded of the importance of this. To be reminded, to take a second and, and, and live into this. He said, I want you to set up reminders. So on everybody's seat, we've given you a reminder. Take it and stick it on the back of your phone. Stick it on your dash so that you remember to hit play on the podcast. I even found a James Earl Jones reading. Like, he'll read to you. I mean, what's better than Matthew being read in James Earl Jones' voice? Put it on the cover of your Bible. But I want you for the next few weeks, when you see this red dot, even if you are the right-hand person, when you see it, I want you to go, there's something personal and there's something current in here for me. And just like a text, I want you to open it up. And I don't care where you open it up. You can follow our plans or not follow our plans. But I want you to open it up and go, wow, God, wow. And even if you're not wowed, God, wow me on tomorrow. Wow me on Wednesday. God, just wow me. But I want you to set up something where you begin to see that, you know what? What is in here is important, it's personal, and it's valuable to my life. I promise you, your life will be changed forever when we begin to get in step and allow his word to become that light and that lamp.